Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone. It is Bradshaw Wish and Gianna Marie Gambino. He said it right. It's my real middle name. That's her real middle name. Well, it's actually, do you know that it's really my first name? What? (laughs) My real first name is Gianna Marie. Oh, oh, like it's hyphenated? You know what? I have to check my birth certificate. I don't know if it's hyphenated on there or not, but I've always my whole life, you know, just pretended it's two separate. Does it ever call you Gianna Marie? I was supposed to be called that. And then it got morphed. I get my name is pronounced a million different ways. People will call me G, Gigi, Gianna, Gianna, Jana, <laughs> anything Jana. except for Gina or Gina will I accept. <laughs> I'm going to call you Gina from now on. At my um, first job, all of the cooks called me Gina. And then somehow <laughs> my little sister found out because I was working at a restaurant and all the cooks were from Haiti and they just thought my name was Gina. <laughs> and then like one cook had like a special love name for me and it was Chinese. <laughs> Wait, you can't say <laughs> Chinese. He still calls me Chinese to this day. I'll go visit him. I'm like, okay. I cannot. <laughs> Should I not publicize that? I don't know where it came from. I have no clue where that came so from. Do you know that people call me Bradley and Bradford? Gross. Well, Bradford, I think is a more like older generation thing because most of our students who are like, I want to say 60 plus think your name is Bradford. Oh my God. It's so annoying. Joe, Joe, if you're listening, you still call me Bradford. Joe, my grandma my calls name. you Bradford. My grandma's like, my grandma's almost 90. She's like, how's your friend Bradford? <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. And then I'm like, or then I'm like Bradshaw wish. And people, people always go, really? I know they don't think that's your real last name. My real, they like, literally I've like, sh- I have to show people my ID all the time. Where does the wish family come from? Where's the family name? Um, it's originally... It was originally wise, they think, W-I-S-E. And then uh, during the Civil War, somehow well, it got That would have been a misnomer. What? <laughs> you're such a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if your last name was Wise. Bradshaw Wise. You would have gotten kicked out of that family. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a bully. <laughs> yeah. Janet has no idea what generational trauma is. <laughs> I think we all have it. Um, okay. So before we get into today's episode, I want to remind people that we're taking questions on our website, kayayogaschool.com slash podcast. And this could be a yoga related question, either from a teacher or a student, or if you just want to share a funny yoga story, we will play that. We will share it and we will laugh with you on the podcast. I love it. Yeah. You love it. I love it. Imagine all of the question submissions were just like us in different voices. It's <laughs> like, I had a question about war too. I got a question about war too. Like, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is me, Erica, 
from Sunday. I'm like the Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> of, of podcasts. I love Mrs. Ooh. Doubtfire. Such a good movie. Oh, Recipes okay. Robin Williams, one of my favorites. Do you like that mural in Bucktown? I love it. He was one of the only celebrities that died that I was like actually very upset. I was so upset when he died. Oh, that's really sad. So you grieved Robin Williams. Yeah. And I feel like I'm grieving you every day. <laughs> okay. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Do you want to talk about death again? No, we're doing that too much. I even literally though- like have been thinking if I died and I like there was an afterlife, I'd be like, are you for real? Really? I would just be like, okay, yeah, cool. I'm here. No, I, I would be like, are you telling me I have to like, like live still? Wait, what? Well, live still, but in the afterlife. Okay. Yeah. Because you have to yeah. Like, I mean, in the afterlife, if it's just like, if it's just another realm of this, mm-hmm. that sounds awful. No, it's not. It's going to be different. Trust me. Just trust me. You'll meet Robin Williams. It's going to be full circle and he's going to talk to us about yoga. <laughs> so I don't want to take up any more time with this as fun as that is. Okay. I want to talk about what we're going to talk about today, which okay. is things we no longer do as yoga teachers. I already got the first one. And, and this is because we might have just evolved or learned more or whatever. There's no shame or like condescension in, in any of these things that mm. we're about to go through. But we wanted to put together a little list inspired by one of my yoga reels that I made in the last few weeks about things I no longer do anymore. I made 10 points on there, but this is going to be the collective list of both of us. And we'll see where we agree where we on top. or if we disagree anywhere, we'll have some healthy debate. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got my first one already. Okay. Okay. I think my first one is I don't overshare my personal life in class, which I used to do a lot, which is like very like Baptiste, like they kind of go in, tell a story about kind of what that person, often what the teacher's going through or like something personal. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really, I don't do that anymore. Why, Why did you decide not to do that? I feel like it can be kind of like, um, Almost like dumb, like people are like people aren't people are not there to listen to your about your life. They're there to have their own experience. And so I don't want to like dump what's going on in my personal life to 20 people I don't know. It just it doesn't feel um, it doesn't feel good. I don't like the way it feels. I don't do that either, but I can imagine that if a teacher was doing that and I was a student in the room and something really resonated with me, it could mm-hmm. serve as inspiration for whatever yeah. it is that I'm processing in the moment. I think there's a there's a way in which you can do it that's very skillful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some teachers that are good at it, but I think a lot of teachers, uh, the teachers that are good at it are really good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, But I think that's kind of far and few between. So what- I, feel, I feel like there's a, like there's a line of like, being personal, but not like dumping your trauma or your angst or whatever it may be on, you know, your students. Mm-hmm. So how did you used to do it when you used to do that? I would talk about like losing my mom, experiencing death, like things like that. And I think like I would bring that up again, maybe in class, but I've also worked through it in therapy and I feel like before I hadn't really worked through it in therapy. Mm-hmm. So it felt like a weird, it felt like an uncomfortable, like I shared it, but then I'm like, why did I share that? I felt like I hadn't processed it 
to like be sharing it. Yeah. Okay. It sounds very convoluted, but. So, so basically for you, it just doesn't resonate anymore. It's not like a right or wrong thing. It's just something you've outgrown and you find other outlets. I feel like this podcast is kind of an outlet. If like students are vibing with you and they want to learn more about you, just like listening here is a way to, you know, connect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I just don't, I guess I'm just saying, I don't, I personally don't share a lot of personal stories as Mm -hmm. much as I used to. And I used to do a lot of that. And I just, it's just, I guess I grow out of it. It's not in my teaching style as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So I never did that. I'm kind of like a private and shy, shyer teacher. (laughs) But um, at a studio I was teaching at in San Francisco, we had to give like a brief little Dharma talk before we began. And so for me, because I was in a big transition of just having moved and all of that, I would use a little bit of my story in the beginning to draw upon inspiration, whether it's like finding resilience and, you know, through big changes or whatever. And I wouldn't get too detailed or too personal, but I always try to choose something that can translate over to the physical practice. Um, and yeah. And then also, and it's like, also broader, you yeah, know that's what, what I'm mean? saying? It's like, like, it's very broad. So it's like, it's, you may be going through it, but like everyone can relate to change. Exactly. So everyone try, can relate to that. Yeah. I would try to like depersonalize it a little mm-hmm. bit so that it's not like me telling the details and the woes mm-hmm. of like my, that's everyday. what I think the issue though is, is like, it's like, if it becomes about like, if you're sharing a story about resilience or compassion or grief or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it becomes about you, then it becomes less relatable mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of positions the teacher as the like center of attention. And for Mm -hmm. me, I really don't want to be the center of attention because the class is not about me. It's about the students. It's not about any of the teachers. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, things I no longer do. I'm going to say number two, and I think this is a very, very relatable one. I don't practice while I teach. In the very beginning, I used to do the entire class with the class just because it helped me memorize my sequence. It also helped me um, feel less anxious, honestly, because like walking around and holding space can be really overwhelming. And I think you need to muster up a bit of confidence to just like walk around and visually um, or like cue to what you're visually seeing. Was that a so, hard habit to break? No, but it happened in stages. So like to help get me comfortable leading a room, I did the class with the class, but this is just a side note. Cause if you are someone who practices along with the class, I would recommend always looking at your students still. So if you're practicing, it's not your own practice. Like I never did my own practice while I was teaching, but I had to like go through the motions of the sequence, maybe not full out so that I can be confident in the sequence and then cue to what I was doing. Um, but I would always be looking at the class. I have a big pet peeve of teachers who like face the mirrors with their back to the students or like mm-hmm. face a wall. Cause how can you actually ever learn to see your students if mm-hmm. you're not actually seeing your students? But mm-hmm. when I first started to break this habit, I would 
do it in stages. I would like walk off my mat for a little bit and then I'd go back on my mat and then I'd walk off my mat a little bit more. And then I'd <laughs> what go, a rebel. It, yeah, literally it was like my safety zone. So I've been teaching long enough. I built up enough confidence where like I don't rely on my mat as like the safe zone or my crutch. Like I can pretty much know where I am in my sequence and what comes next at any time, no matter where I'm teaching or who I'm teaching to. So yeah. It just takes I mean it's very practice. hard to see your it's very hard to see yours. I never did that. Because I I'm know. Perfect. Yeah, you are well, I think you also approached teaching with a sense of confidence that a lot of people don't have in the very beginning and um honestly, you just have to like fake it till you make it because yeah. if you don't if you don't have it, you got to pretend you have it cuz people will feel your insecurity and are, I think students will be less likely to feel safe in your presence if you are, you know, mm -hmm. feeling or being read as insecure in what you're doing. Very true. I also think that the reason that I had that quote unquote confidence is just because of like the way that I grew up and things that I did mm -hmm. is that, you know, like there's a lot of my family was like, there's a lot of performing, there's a lot of theater, there's a lot of yeah, All you were used to so being like, I was used center to of being, attention. Yeah, and, and in front of people. So that And I'm not calling again, not calling teachers center of attention, but for a lot of introverts, just being being in front of that many being people. Being in front of that many people feels like, oh my God, I'm the center of attention. But the truth is, like yoga students don't really care. <laughs> like, like they're yeah. not like judging you as harshly as you are judging you. Absolutely. So okay, so that's my number two. Do you have a number three? Um, okay. Number three, because I'm giving time for Bradshaw to think things I no longer do anymore is short, short change or like skimp on Shavasana. I think I mm. always, um, I didn't have like great time management in the very beginning. So it would get to the end of the hour and I'd be like, Oh my God, I need Shavasana. It'd be like two minutes now. Like I, prioritize Shavasana and I make sure that I have at least a full five minutes of Shavasana. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so important. It's so important. I think it's very easy in the beginning to lose track of time and then just be like, oh crap. Well, never one minute's better. Problem. One minute's better than nothing. Yeah. You've never had that problem because you should I, change I your whole class and then do like a 10 minute Shavasana. <laughs> <laughs> Gianna, one time. Oh, that reminds me of a funny story. That that relates to a funny story. So I'll tell that story. At the Pride end. whole class is ten minutes. <laughs> My yeah, it's like it's 50. like it's fifty minutes. Um, we're we're something I don't do. I, I number just, four. Number four. four. Uh, yep. Number four is I don't only do chaturangas. And okay. Dogs. So I yes. like do a lot of different back belly down back bends besides just chaturangas. You know, when you first take my classes, like. 5,000 chaturangas. Literally, he would just scream chaturanga. <laughs> <laughs> it was like just chaturanga. People were like, my shoulder fell off. I'm like, good for you, Mary. <laughs> it's true. Your class had so many vinyasas. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know how to sequence anything. So I was like, oh, I'll just get to put another vinyasa in there. <laughs> um. Okay, so that was number... I got another one. I got another one, too. Okay, wait, wait. Number four was you're varying your, your vinyasas. What do you vary them with? Um, I, with a ton of belly down back bends. Okay. Locus, Cobra, Sphinx. Got it. Um, and then, 
it's, yeah. So I just have them lower all the way down. I, I always just incorporate, and I always give that as an option. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like you, your vinyasa can be lower to the belly and do a different belly down back, but you don't just have to yeah. do that. And I think that that gives gives teachers or gives students um, some agency because I am pretty structured in the way that I teach. So like mm-hmm. during that vinyasa portion, I'm like, do your thing. Yeah. You also will occasionally, I've been in your class and I've, I've observed you doing more of like a Hatha style thing where you might just have them step back into a warrior too. So I do that a lot. Yeah. So you kind of skip a vinyasa mm -hmm. completely. I do. Yeah. yeah, That's really, really become a, like recently in the past year, like a staple of my teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. there's, is there's definitely some, there's definitely a lot of, not a lot, but there's more stepping back than the red person. All right. Um, now what's your number five? You said you had another one. Yeah. My number five is I don't not prepare for a class. <laughs> okay. Like, let's say I that in the positive. So you always so I, come up. I always, come prepared. I, I, yeah, I, that's new where I used to not be prepared. Where you I used, used to just, just like, wing it. Wing it. Yeah. Just like my sequencing mm-hmm. was all I used to wing it. And I definitely don't operate like that anymore at all. Mm-hmm. I'm on the complete other side of the spectrum, which or is if you I have do, a very, very good. But if you do wing it, you wing it within a structure. With structure. Yeah. So yeah. you come prepared in that you have a plan and you want to be clear on that plan. So students know what you're trying to teach. Exactly. And I think that's very important for all teachers. And Um, and a little bit of consistency in your plan. So that's not something random. Yeah. And then that also makes it so I'm not as tired. Mm -hmm. Um, I do that too. I I have one more thing. Okay. Number six, we're going to 10. Keep going. Okay. I I have one more thing. I don't play music right at the beginning of class. I usually play it about 10 minutes in. Mm -hmm. So there is some silence and stillness, which I think it helps me as a teacher. Yeah. And I think it's helpful for the students so they can hear. I agree. So you start in silence. I, I do that as well. And I end in silence. Yeah. And I think it's just a really helpful way for in the beginning also to like connect to your breath first. You know, you, you kind of center ground, help your students connect to the breath. And then you could kind of emphasize the, the, beginning the foundation of your class and then in the end I do that because I want the nervous system to just be completely like completely at ease and I think music can either uh, shift your nervous system up or down depending on what that music is like Mm -hmm. I was in a class the other day where someone was doing a shavasana with like just these like tonal sounds but some of them were just like very deep reverberating tones that just really dysregulated my nervous system like instead of being relaxed I was actually like irritated and anxious and I put my hands over my ears and Shavasana was like wow this is I was like this is the least relaxed I've ever been but like in all honesty, that could be relaxing to someone, but it was totally mm-hmm. those deep, like droning sounds were dysregulating me. So I like to have a silent Shavasana. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was number six, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Number seven, this one will be brief because we had a whole episode on this, but I no longer give hands on assists. So I just want to include that here because I think there is a pressure 
to give hands-on assist, especially um, after yoga teacher training, if your training emphasize that as part of what the job description is of a yoga teacher, you don't have to feel pressure to do it. And I recommend you go back and listen to that episode on hands-on mm-hmm. assist. So you can do it. You don't have to do it. There are cases for both and let it feel right for you, whatever you decide. That's yeah. a good one. That is a good one. Um, number eight, I don't um, kiss my students on the lips anymore. Stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but imagine I'm kidding. you. Imagine, Can you imagine if like, that was you, something you, you always said did? <laughs> you said bye to every student by kissing them on the lips. No, 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 no. No. Yeah, completely terrifying. And we're not talking about that because it is absurd. Yeah, it is. Okay. That what number was that was number seven. So we're really doing number eight. Yeah. <laughs> you, you threw me off with that one. <laughs> okay. Number eight. I don't teach overly complicated sequences. Me either, baby girl. Yeah. Me let's talk either, about this baby one. Girl. I, yeah, I, well, one, number one, I can't remember. <laughs> it's true. You are just increasing your probability of, of teacher error of teacher error when you are going for pose after pose after pose after pose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then or also, it's just like so much on one side. It's, it's like, so oh, much on God. one side that something I think about a lot is just like wanting students to learn movement patterns and to move with, you know, comfort, ease and integrity and yeah, move skillfully through it. And when you overload one side at a time, say for example, warrior one to warrior three to warrior one with, uh, I don't know, (laughs) with a humble warrior variation to an Anjana Asana. It's just like, what is happening? Yeah. Why? I feel like it, could turn into like this snowball effect where like students start to use momentum to kind of roll through without being mindful and conscious of their movements and like finding strength and stability in those postures. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, if you've ever been in a class that's like that as a student, you might feel like one of your glutes just starting to like burn and fatigue with all of the stuff that's happening on that one leg and Mm -hmm. yeah, it tires you out. You kind of, maybe you get sloppy. I don't know, but yeah, so there's a lot of reasons for not doing that. I still think you can be creative Mm -hmm. without being overly complicated. Yes. That's a very, very good way of putting it. I think that there's a, a really big pressure, especially for new teachers into th- I think they often think like if they have to, if they're going to be like good or like they have good sequencing as they overcomplicate things, they like add too many things and it's yeah. just like, just scale back, keep it just like, keep it very simple, keep it very direct and just be very skillful in what you're teaching. It's mm-hmm. hard to be skillful when you're doing 1 million things. Yeah. And also I hate to say it this way, but at this point, like no one is reinventing the wheel. Mm-mm. Like I don't like I don't think there's going to be a sequence or a yoga like 
I don't know. There's, there's not going to be a sequence that's never been done before where it's like, wow, you Mm. just created the most brilliant, unique thing in the world. So relieve yourself of that pressure to just, just do something well. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's a very, very good one. Okay. Number nine, number nine, feeling fine. I am actually feeling fine. Yeah. You look ridiculously comfortable. So um, you have that advantage. Oh, something else I don't do as, as much as I don't do as much passive stretching as I used to do. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of very like active uh, mobility strength work that I've incorporated in the past couple of years. So I don't do uh, a lot of uh, passive stretching. Mm-hmm. I'll do it, you know, and I don't do it for long periods of time. Like I do, you know, pigeon for a minute, pigeon for a minute on the other side, but they're not like there for like five minutes on each side. Chilling yeah. Unless, I think- I, unless I'm teaching uh, yin and then I will, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, that's different. Yeah. Um, I think passive stretching is so much of, of the yoga practice. So, you know, there's a lot of like, think forward folding, think, um, Padagushtasana, standing forward fold where you are grabbing onto your big toes and you're using the force of your arms to help you into the fold. Like this is an example of a passive stretch. No. So, and then also like if you are doing Paschimottanasana with a strap, you're using a strap and folding forward. So you're using that, that force rather than just like taking your leg taking like <laughs> now I want to give a better example than Paschimottanasana. Just do pigeon. Like in pigeon, that's a passive posture because the outer seam of the hip is lengthening and you're not engaging that thing while it's lengthening. Yeah. But also passive can be like, if you go to a stretch lab and someone Stretches is stretching, you. stretching you out. So there's also mm. a, like an applied external labs? force. Yeah. I think it's like a, isn't it like a national chain or something? So using a strap to pull yourself into a fold, Mm -hmm. having someone lift your leg up as you're lying down at stretch lab, that is a passive stretch. So that, you know, your Padagustasana fold using your hands, like all of that is passive stretching. So what Bradshaw is saying is because there's so much passive stretching, he likes to balance it out with a little bit of active active, engaged, maybe eccentric contractions where you are mm-hmm. engaging the muscle in its lengthened state. Yeah. Okay. So that was number nine. Okay. Number 10. And this is going to be like a very big umbrella category. Ella, Ella, A, A. Thank you for that. There are a ton of cues I no longer use, and we could go through them one by one. Maybe I'll say the cue. And you could talk about briefly, like a two sentence description of mm. why I no longer use these cues. Do you like this? will be like a game. Do you want to play this yeah, game? I love games. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> I do not cue to pull your shoulder blades down your back when your arms are overhead. Because when your arms are above your head, your shoulders rotate laterally and up. So let your shoulders lift. Let your shoulders lift. It's anatomically unnecessary to pull them down your back. Mm-hmm. I never say square your hips to the front of the room in warrior one. Yes. And this is because the hips 
there's, there's, so, this is like really complex. How do I say it's this? It's actually this? not complex. Okay. Because one leg, hips- is, one, what, one leg is behind you, isn't is mm-hmm. it behind you? The other leg is in front of you. So one is moving behind you. The other is moving the opposite direction. You can create the action of squaring your hips, but you're not actually squaring your hips. Yes. Cause they're in two different planes. So when your mm-hmm. one leg is behind you, they're in two different planes. So like Brad just saying, the action will do the, the movement and, and, and and the alignment without actually mm-hmm. quote unquote being Saying square. square. Yeah. I never yeah. Say, never say square. I've also, um, well, how did you take over? I was supposed to say the cue oh. and you were, supposed- <laughs> Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, I love you though. I want you to contribute, but I was like, wow, you're, you're flipping the roles. Okay. okay. What's the tuck one? the tailbone and chair. Just go listen to our chair episode. Seriously, you're ch- you maintain the natural curvature of your spine, which is an anterior tilt. You wouldn't do a squat at the gym tucking your tailbone. Okay, you're gonna I'm going to repeat like you're it. You're about into the back corners of a chair. You talk too fast. So anytime okay. your hips are in flexion, your pelvis is in an anterior anterior tilt. So it is unnecessary to tuck your tailbone. It is not how you would do a squat. Mm-hmm. And you should listen to our chair episode. It's great. It's really good. You know what? Um, we we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that one because I think people are like, oh, a chair pose. They see the title and they don't want to listen to it. It's it's honestly our worst performing episode, but it's great content. It's our worst performing episode. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have to get talked to some of these people. Yeah. Um another uh, cue. One, oh, another cue I don't use anymore is um uh oh, I love this. Uh kiss your neighbor on the lips, open mouth. <laughs> No. Uh, how about between two panes of glass in triangle Oh my pose? God. Gianna, let's not even talk about it because it's literally my biggest pet peeve. Yes. So you can't exter- externally rotate both of your hips at the same time. You are never going to be a piece of bread in the toaster or between <laughs> two panes of glass. And doing that can create discomfort in your SI sacroiliac joint. And it's just... Yeah. It's just a silly little cue that's been passed down forever. You don't need Mm -hmm. to say that one. Mm -hmm. You can cue to what you want your students to do without just continuing on with that, that cues journey into modern (laughs) yoga. (laughs) I never say lift the big toes in chair anymore. Oh yeah. And that is also on our chair Chair episode. episode. You just want the weight in your heels so that your quads turn on. So find a creative way to make that happen without necessarily making students think that their toes have to be lifted or their Um, feet together. Or yeah. So that's the other one. Feet together, feet together in chair, feet together in Tadasana mountain pose, totally not necessary because a lot of people have wider hips and that doesn't feel good. So let them have their feet under their hips. That's pretty much, you know, it's going to look different for everybody and let them find a little bit more comfort. Yeah. Oh, another thing I don't do. I could just get going forever. Can we do? I know. Wait, is it another cue or totally different topic? It's kind of different. Okay, let's go to 15. We've got like five more minutes. Why not? Okay, I never say, God, I try not to say guys anymore. I say everyone. I try to use more inclusive language. Like, yeah, hey, not everyone like, hey guys. I say, or Hi, folks. everyone. Good work, everyone. Yeah. I usually just say everyone, and I'm pretty, pretty good at that. You are really good at that. Hello, everyone. It's me, Bradshaw Francis Wish, born on Valentine's Day in Providence, Rhode Island in 1989. I was six pounds, 15 ounces. 
I had a little Valentine's Day hat. I was adorable. Okay. And, um, okay. You You're going to take up the five minutes with, with nonsense. Okay. Number 12. I don't teach counter poses anymore. And the theory of counter poses is like to, to bring balance back to the body. So for example, oftentimes in yoga teacher training, if you do Paschimottanasana, a forward fold, it is thought that the counter pose to Paschimottanasana is a reverse tabletop or a reverse plank per Bhutanasana. And that's just complete extremes. So going from one extreme range of motion of that extreme forward fold to then a different extreme or wheel pose Urdhva Dhanurasana into like knees to chest, rounding spine. What, so, what style of yoga does that come from? What style of yoga does that come from? It's literally in the vinyasa yoga tradition. I don't know. Uh, can you tell me more? Can I tell you more? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like, uh, I feel like a tale, a tale as old as time. This has been passed down forever. Um, don't sing it. Don't. <laughs> I knew you were going to start singing <laughs> I knew you're going to start singing it. So, okay. Here's my theory on counter poses real briefly. The vinyasa practice is already pretty complicated or pretty imbalanced. There's so many folds, so many folds, so many folds. Mm -hmm. So I will bring balance to the sequence as a whole. I don't really believe that for every action, you need to immediately take the opposite action in a, in a deep backbend like Urdhva Dhanurasana, the opposite counter can just be neutral spine. So there can be this big bridge spinal extension and then just neutral spine. Why do we have to go straight into flexion? I think when we go from one extreme of the spectrum to the other extreme end of the spectrum, you miss the connection of just like feeling what just happened in your body. Cause you're like, again, from ice cold to burning hot. Like where is the middle ground where you just feel the feeling of doing the thing you just did? Yeah. Okay. So that was number 12. Now, because you expanded, we're going to 15. Okay. Number um, 13. Number, th this is number 13 guys. And this is really, really important. <laughs> number 13. I'm trying to think if there's something in terms of like the room that I do differently. No more incense. I don't do that anymore. Oh yeah. We talked I don't about, like, I don't like incense. I never we, really was an, in, were you an incense person? Oh yeah. And when I used to oh, teach. No, Chapa makes me want to gag. <laughs> yeah. So we talk about this in the creating your vibe episode, but incense can be polarizing. It can really disturb some of your students. It could be, they might love it or they might be repulsed by it. And so you want to have like a neutral welcoming environment. So I don't like incense. No. That was number number 13. Number 14. Um, number 14. Geez, gee, there's just so many things. Um <laughs> I I'm trying to think of no, something I no longer do related. I um I've got one. Okay, 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 okay. Number, <laughs> I'm literally trying so hard. I'm like number 14. I don't call out people's names in class. It pasa. I mean, 4K. Because I don't want to 
put the spotlight on anyone because I don't know whether or not they want that attention. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's bad. But I remember in my beginning years, like if I saw someone doing something that was really proud of them, I would be like, really nice, Jessica. And then like everyone would go and look at Jessica. So it kind of takes mm-hmm. other people out of their practice. And then I also don't want to like glorify like the hard skill, you know, so people think you only get like praise when you like do that thing. Mm-hmm. So I might say something after class and, and not try to take away from the moment. Mm -hmm. So I think saying it in the moment, again, like can be disruptive to the other students. You kind of take them out of their zone and they get curious, but after class, like, I don't want people to think that their effort goes unnoticed. So I might say to them, like, you looked really, you looked a lot more comfortable in your practice today. Did you notice that, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, where it's like pretty open-ended and still gives them recognition without like taking away the attention in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know anyone's name, so that's, (laughs) (laughs) there is an exception to that. I just want to say if I'm doing a workshop and we're like breaking down crow and like, it's like class flow has kind of ended, then I might, you know, be more interactive, but I'm just talking in general group experiences where we're not kind of workshopping things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are we on 14 or 15? We don't know how to count. Um, I think we're on 15. Okay. The last and final one. Do you have it Bradshaw? Number 15. Yes. And I've always been good at this, but I think I've gotten even better at it which is I don't talk too much. Mm -hmm. I leave a lot of silence. I leave a lot of space. I really think it's, that's really, really important. I think a lot of teachers talk too much. Yeah. A lot of teachers. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) A lot of teachers do talk a lot. I can be wordier than you. I don't think I talk too much though, because I know teachers who talk more than me that make me seem silent. But it is a pet peeve of mine when I'm a student where I feel like there is so much talking that I actually have no space for myself. Yeah. And like you don't like, have you don't have space to like be in your practice. Yeah. And then it's also like, have you ever had the experience where it just feels like there's like a checklist of things that are mm-hmm. being said where it's like, pull this hip back and then the hip, hip forward and then neutralize your tailbone and then hug mm-hmm. your ribs in. And it's just like, oh my God, like, when am I going to arrive at the pose? <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Like, like, and it's just like, yeah, no space to just like feel that thing that we're trying to do. And I, I believe well, in alignment that, but cues, like- but I don't believe it to a fault where like, there's no end. And not only that, but like, People need space. They need silence. It's just like not mm-hmm. something we experience enough um, in you just know, life. Especially nowadays, we are overstimulated in every capacity. Like facts, like job stimulation, tech stimulation with the constant, you know, social media and reels and blue light and mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, and the noise, the noise of just life. So. The yoga room should be a place where people can, you know, disconnect and really find their own internal peace. 
I think and they can't really do good. that. They can't do that if you're talking every two seconds. Yeah, it's like, hey, Mary, shut the fuck up. I'm just trying to be in war with two of you. That's your mind. Okay, I think that's a pretty complete I a list. list. I think that's a we, really good list. We pulled out 15 things, no outline, completely from the top <laughs> of our heads. And we I'm could probably sure we, pull out 15 more. I think we probably could if we you know, did a little bit Gianna, more of an outline. Do you want to know what we should do? What? We need to tell them what's really important, which is that we have some retreats coming up. Yes, we do. So we are going to Nicaragua, uh, February, 2024. San, San Juan del Sur. He's really good at saying it, but here's the thing, everyone. We now only have one room left. One room left. It's embarrassing that you haven't bought, bought a spot yet if you if you're still there. Yeah, one room left with uh bunk beds. It's the bunk room. So check room. It. it is the most affordable room. Check it out on our website, kayayogaschool.com slash Nicaragua. And then lastly, we are sold out for Joshua Tree, but we do have a waiting list. So if you go on our website, if you were interested in Joshua Tree, that's September of this year, 2023, sign up for the waiting list. Cause, um, you know, we, we do get last minute cancellations, but there is a chance that we might add on a second weekend because there is still a lot of interest there. Well, it's, I mean, it's fame. It's like, it's Jen and I can barely like, so that people are running and they're like, please let me on your retreat. And it's just like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have also, like a, we a also may be planning us. We may literally, we have to, um, we may be doing a summer retreat mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in the Chicagoland area. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah. If you want requests for that. Yeah. If you want to know more, cause this is going to be a very, quick, spontaneous retreat. We're in the process of nailing down all the details, but if you want to be the first to know and claim one of those spots in, you know, Chicagoland area, we're, we're thinking less than two hours from Chicago. So a nice little short road trip, that's going to be towards the end of July, beginning of August. Mm-hmm. And you can sign up for our mailing list to be the first to know and to claim one of those spots. Cause that is where we release all of this stuff first and foremost. So that's it on the retreat front. Bradshaw, let's play cancel, explore, commit. Okay. Here are the three things. A teacher who talks nonstop. Cancel. Incense. Or hands-on assists. I'm going to get rid of them all. I'm going to cancel them all. I'm going to cancel. That's hard. I'm going to cancel incense and I'm going to explore hands-on assists. And then, <laughs> I guess I'm going to commit to the teacher who talks a lot, but you know, in a very loving, gentle way, I'm going to whisper, shut the shut fuck the up. F- <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you agree? I would cancel them all. Okay. All right. What's the funny thing of the week? Um, the funny thing about yoga, one time I was trying to be really inspiring. Have I told this one yet? It depends. I'm not sure where you're going with it. And I was trying to say that like everyone's welcome and included, Mm -hmm. but I said, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or gay or or gay. (laughs) And you just kept going. And I just kept saying, 
gay or black or white. It was so bad. Was it like a subconscious pep talk? No, I was trying to be like, you know, like everyone's welcome, but I'm like, or gay. It was just so bad. I was like trying to be inspiring and it just was not happening. It was so, it was so cringe. Did anyone laugh? No, they just looked at me like I had lost my mind. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, I know, I know pretty cringe. no one else can see this, but Gianna can look at Tito. Bradshaw's dog has his head just resting on Bradshaw's leg in like the cutest way possible. He's such a nugget. Okay. So my funny story of the week, this might be one of the most weirdest situations that I've ever had. Weirder than the feet? <laughs> no, but... But definitely um, one the of the feet story will go down in history. People are talking about it. People talking were about talking about it. I kept getting so at the studio. They're like Gianna's feet. I'm like, girl, I do not want to talk about it. OK, so people are talking <laughs> about it at the studio. But what I forgot to mention in that episode is that I like because I wound up working at that studio, I did talk to this person about it and it became water under the bridge. But huh, definitely weird. OK, no, this is this is true story. So back when I was first starting out. I was hired to teach at this like women's retreat that was not a yoga retreat, just like a women's wellness getaway. And I found this job because I used to belong to this like website where people can hire professionals in any field. So I would get a lot of private clients where like, oh, I'm looking for a yoga teacher, specifically like bachelor, bachelorette parties and whatever, like weekend getaways because Again, this was South Florida early, or it was 2015, you know, just, I didn't know what I was doing anyway. So I was hired to teach this retreat. I think it was like a, like wellness, nutrition, like weight loss. Maybe it was just a retreat filled with people who wanted to dive deep into the wellness field, <laughs> whatever that means. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily yoga. There was actually no interest in yoga, but I show up to this house that the coach organized. I ring the doorbell. I've got a car full of yoga mats and this house is filled with like 10 older women. I'm talking like 65 plus who have zero interest in yoga. And as soon as they see me with like five yoga mats around my shoulder, they just start screaming, no. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yoga, we don't want to do yoga. (laughs) And I was just like, should I go? Should I not go? I already drove like 30 minutes. They were bitching so loud and complaining to like, the retreat hose that they don't want to do yoga that she takes me aside and she's like, I'm so sorry, but they have no interest. They don't want to do this. Like, meanwhile, this was like planned like months. In advance. Did you get paid? Well, Bradshaw, I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to like, like we have a contract. Do you want me to try to entry, like try to pique their interest or should I just go? Like I better be getting paid. And she's like, yeah, maybe just try to meet them where they're at and see if they'll give you, you a chance. This. You never told me this. You're like, let's just see if they'll give you a chance. So like these ladies are like in robes and pajamas, like 
eye patches on, face masks, shower caps, like all the whole nine yards. No one wants to do this. And I was like, okay, do you guys, I was like, well, I'm hired. I'm paid for. I was like, do you want to just stay on the couch and we could do yoga on the couch? (laughs) Did they? Yes. They were like, okay, yeah, we'll give it a try. So I literally pulled up an ottoman, sat my ass down. I have all these old ladies giving me the stink guy while I essentially try to do chair yoga from a plushy couch. And I was like, literally like hold, holding my hand out in front of me. And I was like, okay, now bend this finger back <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> no, it was like 30 minutes. It's like, oh my is, God. I was like, I can't keep their interest any longer oh but definitely I've, I've had that not that bad happen to me but I've definitely had it happen like where I've done bachelorette parties or like special events corporate stuff and like half of the team half of the room does not want to do it yeah and I'm like okay well this is awkward like what now but yeah it was one of the funnier experiences in my life I, I came home like hysterically laughing it's like I just taught yoga to seniors laying on the couch um but yeah that's probably a glimpse of my future oh my god that is the funniest that's really really funny the the, the thought of you walking in and them being like no they were screaming no screaming no. i was like oh, never felt more unwelcomed in my life oh my god. No, i'm just kidding i've definitely i i also love moments. like i love like be me like kind of people of the older generation when they're like i'm like you're a, i'm like i'm a yoga teacher and like you must be really flexible <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so um, annoying i mean i was yeah there's there's a lot of those those classic jokes i was at the dog park the other day wearing ripped jeans and i got the classic do you need a donation i'm like why and like for a new pair of pants <laughs> i'm like no Oh my God. I, that reminds me of like getting these pants from Abercrombie and Fitch that I wanted so bad that were literally just like torn to shreds. My mom bought them. I wore that and two polos. Wow. That is like disgusting. Yeah. But it was like, disgusting. you were like a cool kid. I wasn't allowed to shop at Abercrombie. I also like, I honestly, where did I shop? I like TJ Maxx my whole life. Hot topic hot topic i would wear band t-shirts and dickies oh my god the <laughs> thought of you in dickies literally drives me nuts no i literally converse dickies spiky belt band t-shirts That's oh my god school. spiky belt yeah i remember i was emo I, I, punkish what were you listening to what kind of music were you listening to oh my god i've freaking taken back sunday brand new saves the day wow Thrice, Lincoln like Park. A, no, that's too mainstream. Duh. <laughs> Would you listen to like um like Newfound Glory was too mainstream? But you know, I this is gonna sound so dumb, but I was listening to like Taking Back Sunday and Brand New before they were mainstream. Yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't like yeah, say those that. are totally mainstream artists. Yeah, but they used to not be because like Long Island emo scene was where it was at. There was a lot of emos in Long Island. Yeah, there's so many bands from there. Glassjaw. Oh my god, I was like loved Glassjaw. I don't I have no idea what that is. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe like one listener listening to this will be like Glassjaw. Yeah, there's someone out there is gonna think I'm cool, and then everyone else will be like, "Who is this person?" Well, anyway, I wish Bradshaw knew some of these songs so he could sing it for the outro. But we're just gonna have to see what he pulls out of his ass. Focus. out of my ass. <laughs> 
Thank you guys for listening. If you're still listening, we will see you next week. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other girls cannot deny. When a girl walks in with anybody racing around thing in your face, you get sprung. Bye, everyone. Bye. That was cute.